Welcome to the Uncanny Adventures podcast. Thank you for listening to Uncanny Adventures. If you'd like to support this podcast, please go to patreon.com slash uncanny underscore adventures. Also, thanks to our current patrons, Joe Peabody, McAngus, PowerScore RPG, Scott Borland, and the Dungeon Master. Enjoy the show. Hi, welcome back to Uncanny Adventures, Call of Cthulhu, Reign of Terror. We are back with our investigators in the French Revolution. Uh, they are trying to stop the end of the world. An end of a world that they may have brought on themselves. Who knows? But, hi, I'm Jeanette. I am the keeper for this game. And we have our wonderful investigators with us who will quickly reintroduce themselves. And then we'll get back into the action of our adventure. Uh, So, Dylan, who are you? Hi, I'm Dylan. I'm going to be playing Jean Dupois, who's a 50-plus-year-old French peasant dude who's an alcoholic and very grumpy, and has a dog named Bonaparte, who's, like, the only creature he loves. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, let's see, Jamie. I'm Jamie. I'll be playing Etienne Babon, the half-deaf, one-handed, retired army person who last session sent his son away in the hopes that maybe he'll live. Maybe. Who knows? And Scott... Hi, I'm Scott, and I'm playing Christophe Pressy, which is pretty much Leonardo DiCaprio if he was French from Titanic. Nice. Um, so, when we uh, last visited with our investigators, they had attempted to break into the home of Citizen Regalt, and they were looking for a book that had been described to them by their friend, the Ghoul. They searched the house were interrupted by a blast from the past in the form of an undead body that used to be dressed as the Pope. Dealt with that pretty handily. Uh And also dealt with another one of the risen dead in a coffin downstairs. But all the noise that they made brought the secret police, who have been possibly searching for them, to the doorstep. There was... uh, some running, some hiding. Pressy almost got arrested and then escaped miraculously. And our whole group reconvened in their meeting spot with the ghoul. But he never showed up. The ghoul never came back after he helped save Pressy. And so the party found their way to a, a small inn in central part of Paris where they paid a little extra for the innkeeper to forget that he had seen them. And they went upstairs and went to to sleep for the evening. So we come back. You all spend the evening. It is the next morning. Maybe 8 a.m. Maybe a little bit after. You didn't get a lot of sleep. You got here about 3. But you're in a rush. World-ending things, you know. What do you all want to do? Um, good question. <laughs> you stare around at each other a little bit blank in the face, uncertain any, of your next move. In any other, um, any other setting, Cressy hmm. would look like he's on like a front of a romance novel, as he just stands out in the balcony looking at the sunrise, and his shirt's still unbuttoned. 
like his PJ one or whatever. Thinking maybe this is one of the last few sunrises he's going to see. That's all he's doing. He's just <laughs> staring at it. Probably looking mournful. Yes, it is. It is June 4th. And you all know that the clock is ticking. And on June 8th, there is a festival planned. And all signs point to that day being the last day. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, boy. Well, Babylon's probably eating. Like, if the inn has, like, a little, probably crappy breakfast mm-hmm. situation. Pa's probably drinking. <laughs> there would be, you know, early morning booze, something to eat. Yep. It's not Bottom very. It's not mimosas. very good quality. The bread, the bread. You know, you got to cut out some of the areas that are a little moldy, perhaps yeah. because it's in such high demand. Um, mm-hmm. and and the booze could be a little better. There, but they're serviceable. Dubois was raised like four. I don't think he gives a shit. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, Dubois was almost sober for a minute there. He's got a <laughs> almost, almost <laughs> woke up. Oh gosh, I'm a little too sober right now. <laughs> I can't live like this. <laughs> My last days. Bonaparte uh, comes in. He's chewing on a bone he found somewhere. Maybe somebody in, from the kitchen gave him something. Oh. <laughs> curls, up at, curls up at the feet of uh, Dupois. I hope he didn't get that bone from the ghoul. Say, is that a little child's arm? What? <laughs> Is that Citizen Regold's head he's chewing on? Good job, Bonaparte! Yay, adventure over. Bonaparte, Bonaparte where's the book, Bonaparte? <laughs> Go get it. He stands up and looks at you wagging his tail and moves toward the door. When you... He knows where it is. Follow him. Huh. That's a good Whoa. question. Where to go from here? The only place we haven't gone to. Well, there's a lot of places we haven't gone to, but the one place where we've been... Dread- we have all of Paris we could go to. <laughs> there's Thank one place we've been dreading to go to, but I think there's only it's the only place sent would make sense. Hmm. Back down to the crypt? Yes. That's what I was thinking. Since it's daytime, Regal probably won't be there. Hmm. Maybe. So we could kind of have a bit more uninterrupted... Exploring. And if our um friend, if you want to call him that, um did meet his end last night. I don't think we want to run into any of his friends. That's true. That is very true. <laughs> I don't know if they will be as uh personable as him. Melody leans in and says, Wait. He has other friends. Unfortunately, yes. Like, like you? at least a hundred. No, like, that, that that have the same sickness he does. She sits back, and she was about to take a drink, and she puts her drink down on the table. She looks a little pale. Dupont <laughs> picks it up and drinks it. <laughs> now she looks a little sad. <laughs> He's taking what he can get. Yeah, man. <laughs> Dupont will stand up and sort of shake his jowls and go, well, there's no time to waste. 
that's where we're going. Let's get a move on. I'm going to stand up as well. Melody looks to Kristoff. Oh, I'm used to being called Pressy. Sorry. To <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, she can call you Pressy. <clears throat> I think she would call me Kristoff. Mm-hmm. That'd make more sense. So, yeah, he brushes off whatever crumbs he has on his shirt. It's his musket, and I guess we're on our way. All right. So you guys are heading out into the city streets. Yep. (laughs) If I can, I'm going to try to buy a, I don't know if they have such a thing, but like a brain poncho equivalent. I mean, they have like cloaks, like, you know, like trout with hoods. We're, we're going to try to be a little less suspicious. Um, so you are in a very populated area. Um, you know that, that what you would get here isn't that good a quality, but you could find like a, a seamstress shop or a small clothing store that you could slip into this morning and see about buying a change of clothes, a cloak. Melody hmm. says, yes, I could, I could use something to... to over it is a bit damp and chill today for some reason oh some reason <laughs> you will, oh, I wonder you'll why. get you'll get her literally anything she wants since apparently i have so much money that it really doesn't <laughs> matter anymore yeah so you uh you guys go you uh quickly pay you know you pay and you mm-hmm. buy some cloaks and things like that if you need them it doesn't cost In you much shopping spree yep and world yep. shopping spree. We're gonna do like an eighties montage where we're all trying yeah. out different cloaks. <laughs> exactly. Once this is done. But but every one of the cloaks is a cameo to something. Like one's just like very clearly Draculas. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Another one just looks like a Superman cape. We're just like mm-hmm. blue and red, ew. <laughs> Disgusting. It's like the French flag. Pressies, he pulls up the cowl and it's like an actual cowl with coin ears. God. Hey, you know. Alright, so as you move back out into the street, mm. are you trying to be Yes, uh, I'm being sneaky, yes. Okay, just trying to <laughs> I knew it's what you were gonna ask. Alright, so uh I need some stealth checks if you guys want to try to be sneaky as you slip through town. We don't have that at these. Oh hooray. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, oh, okay. Let's boop. Boop. <laughs> so, uh, oh god, they got three. Uh, so, uh, you guys move into the street. Um, Pressy and do we, do we though? Do we though? Yes, Pressy and <laughs> as soon Melody. As we open the door, we just get decked. <laughs> oh. Well, no, Pressy and Melody are um. Arm in arm, cloaks kind of hoods up against it. It's a little bit inclement weather today. Um, and they immediately sort of just blend in with the crowd. Um, mm. Dupois and, and Babon, you are sort of like struggling a little bit. Like you, lo- you look for them, they're gone. You kind of rush to keep up. Bonaparte runs off and almost gets into like the baker's like shop. <laughs> and you have to call him back for a little bit. So he's drawing a little bit of attention to you. You kind of call him back. He looks at you with his tail wagging, looks at the door, and then he comes back. Um, 
And you guys make your way through the city streets, occasionally trying to take a side street, but you realize that slipping out of the crowd, you seem like you feel like maybe you're being a little more conspicuous. Mm -hmm. Uh, But eventually you do make it to the city wall and leaving. There's not a lot of issue kind of pass through the wall. You see um, the farmers and everybody come in very early, but now you see like regular travelers and stuff coming in through the gates and you make your way around and through the streets to the area of the catacomb entrance that you have used and guarded in the past. And it is very quiet here at this hour. Uh, the You know the carts leave in the morning around 6 a.m. Move, from moving the bodies. They don't like to do it in daylight. They don't like to disturb the citizens. So as you pull up, there's you can see as you're coming up the street that there is no guard stationed to protect against people coming in and out now. It's very quiet. Thanks, Ramrod. Scotty gets a natural 20 from Mr. Ramrod. Oh, wow. Thank you. Uh, I'll need it to not get hit ever again. I, actually, have I ever been hit yet? I don't know. Yeah. Have you? When we're fighting the dog people. Yeah, that, that's the only time. Thank, thank you. Oh, and um, oh, I'm stupid. I sold Streamlabs, and I thought they donated. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, let's see. All right, so you guys are looking at this entrance to the catacombs, and it is quiet. There's no one about. Hmm. I mean, I'll go in. Chris, yeah. Do we have like a lantern of some sort, or is there one? Probably a good idea. Uh, hey, you can give you me. Think a we could have bought one on our way here. Yeah, you could have bought oh. one. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Probably because we know it. We've been there enough. We know it's dark. <laughs> dark as shit. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's go in. All right. So you show up, your new lantern in hand. You pour the oil into it. You hit a tinder and you light it. And you move down into the catacombs, this ever-familiar winding stair that, you know, it's so claustrophobic and you can smell the dank air, you smell the death and decay that comes from below as you make your way down, down, down. So you get to the bottom of the stairs. Hmm. Mm -hmm. You walk straight ahead for a little ways and you come to the main intersection. Now you remember from the other night that you followed the hooded figures straight down the tunnel ahead until the first right hand turn and then you followed that deeper into the catacombs to where citizen Ragalt was carving his symbol into the skulls though as you walked that way you saw even the skulls along the main path he had already done most of his work there so he's been at this for quite some time Yeah, As we're going you. along the walkway to the main intersection, do the skulls along that have this symbol on them? You look left and right, holding up the lantern, <laughs> and they do. Lord. And you know, you saw his <laughs> tattoos on his chest. You saw yeah. the ghoul told you that he had been hard at work for quite a long time doing this. Mm. So you make your way forward. You can hear the dripping of, like, water running somewhere. 
Your footsteps crunch in the dirt. You come to that next intersection. You hang a right and you walk further in until you find that new section where there's the fresher skulls, some of them still having loose skin hanging on them, all of them carved with the symbol. Was this the room? This, you can, looking around, yes, you can see where there's a couple of skulls that uh, are in pieces. You know that these were the ones that were shot. You actually can see where it looks like, um, you remember how he brought the skulls down to close the passageway. It looks mm -hmm. like at some point he's had them moved back up and moved out of the way again. Either his headless or his hooded servants, or maybe with his magic, he replaced them. Hmm. I guess we just kind of start searching here, maybe, since this is the most recent. Hmm. You can, uh, not, not even just for the book, just for... Just looking for clues or anything, yeah. All right, gang, let's split up and search for clues. Melody, when you say split up, Melody, like, grabs your hand tighter. She's looking around just terrified by this whole... She hasn't said anything walking down here. Like, she was completely silent the whole way down the stairs and into here. She's never been in the in the catacombs. It's it's terrifying for her. Well, we don't split up Fred and Daphne, obviously. Well, no, I was, <laughs> I, I was joking. I was um, she, she looks left and right at this, and then she, like, lets out this little shriek in a moment. And she backpedals into Pressy and, like, pushes him to a wall. Sorry, give me one second. My cat is being a little douche. No worries. Um, but she presses into Pressy, and he's against the wall. And you two see what she's looking at. She's looking across the way, and there is a skull now there that you recognize. It was on top of a female body last time, and it oh, attacked her Dubois. It is her father's decapitated skull hmm. that she is now staring at. Her mouth, she screamed, and now her mouth is just moving in sort of like... No words coming out in shock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, oh, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's reasonable. <laughs> that, uh, that makes sense. Oh, no. Yeah, so she is sort of like just clutching on to Pressy, who is in this moment distracted by her and just trying to hug her and she's just looking at it like her mouth just going and her eyes wide. Her face is white. Hmm. Dupois doesn't care. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have any like little piece of cloth or something so I could kind of just like put it over <laughs> Okay, skull. sure. Yeah, you could kind of like reach in your, you, pro you probably have a handkerchief. Yeah, just kind of like cover it a little bit. Mm. Um, it seems to help a little, though, like, you can see the tears sort of streaking down her face, and she has some, you know, dirt on it already just from coming through here, and it's all, it's all like, gross, and the air is so thick. Um, so you see these trails start running down her cheeks a little bit. Dubois would probably do what we came here for and see if he can find, like, any like disturbed patches of either the wall or the skulls where you know maybe there's a secret compartment or something that he might store this book if it is down here or anything else 
like something he might have dropped or you can give me spot hidden check yeah but bone probably will do the same just kind of start searching the area okay see what he can find sounds good Sorry, what did I miss? Okay, so, uh, Pressy, Melody backpedaled into you. Okay. Um, she let out a little shriek. You try, like, tried to calm her down, so you kind of looked toward her. She's looking away across the way to the other wall, um, and everyone realizes that she's looking at the decapitated skull of her father. It looks like the skull was removed from the body it had been placed on after you all ran and it's up against the wall. So she's kind of having a fit. Like she was, she screamed and now she's sort of just shivering and her mouth is kind of going, but she's no words are coming out and she's crying a little bit. And in the meantime, Babon has pulled a large handkerchief from his pocket and covered the skull to try and dilute the uh, horror of that situation for Melody. Okay. Um, Pressy does his best to try to calm her down. He will hold her, you know, embrace her stuff. And as long as it takes <laughs> for, I don't know. I, Scott doesn't know what to do in that situation. So who knows what Pressy knows what to do in that situation. It's more, they're there. <laughs> um, it, it, would, it would definitely be like, he obviously really cares, you yes. know? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so while you comfort her, your comrades are looking around trying to see if they can find some kind of hiding place or any kind of uh, anything that Regalt would have left behind. Um, so, Babon, you kind of go off to the right, and you're searching around, and you don't see anything. Uh, Dupois, you <laughs> move off to the left, and you're kind of digging about, looking about, and <clears throat> you put your hand on the wall to look around one corner and it kind of sort of crumbles a little bit there. And as it does, two hands sort of pop out from inside and then a familiar ghoulish face pokes its head out. Hello. Oh no. Aha. You have returned. We. (laughs) I wasn't expecting to see you here. He clambers out from behind this stone that moved and sits cross-legged on the floor in front of you. I searched for you at the meeting place, but you were gone. Oh, we waited for a bit. You were not there. So we left, obviously. I was uh, indisposed for a short time. Hmm. Appreciate you helping uh, Pressy get away. Hmm, Yes. They were going to cart him off and take his head, I think. Definitely wouldn't have helped this whole end of the world situation. No, but but your friend was uh, good enough to cause distraction. I found something. Oh? He has a satchel, like a dirty old satchel he has slung over his shoulder. He drops it in front of you. I'll keep my eyes on him and I'll lean down and Pick it up. Uh, you pick it up, and it's got some heft to it. There's something inside it. Really? Hmm. It's the head of the secret police captain. It might be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll 
It's oh. Melody's head, and we just turn around, her head's gone. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he's a quick worker. <laughs> Did Yeah, I'll open it. I'll just sort of, like, open the satchel a little bit and see what's in there. Uh, you open it to see a leather-bound black book with brass bindings and, some, and a title scrawled across a cover in Latin. I cannot read Latin, but I will... I will assume this Melody. is it, and just like close the satchel back up, and just sort of look back and forth between the satchel and the ghoul for a second, and then I'll sort of hold the satchel under one arm, and I'll extend a hand to the ghoul. He he tilts his head at it for a moment, and you see him eyeing it like, do I eat it? And then he uh, looks down at the palm of his hand, like remembering the. Uh, the niceties of uh, men, and he sort of extends his claws to you and kind of p- puts them across your palm. <laughs> Tickling my palm? <laughs> Thank you. He says, <laughs> I like a rusty spoon. He says, <laughs> I, was, I was going to make my escape, and I, I smelled something familiar. And hmm. since the big man who had the coat... He didn't have a coat when I came back. But since he was unconscious and the others were looking for me and I had slipped from them, I made I made use of the time to go and look in the house. Where, <laughs> where was it? I have to ask where it was. <laughs> we're he, just stupid we didn't see it. <laughs> he says, um, there's a, the room, the second floor room, where he sits, where all the books were. It was hidden in a p- compartment behind the books. Okay. <laughs> we just rolled terribly. Wow, it almost seemed like house. it was up to chance that we missed it. Yeah. Yeah. He Fuck, says... <laughs> we should have just, like, knocked all the books out of the shelf. <laughs> well, that was when we were still trying to be, like, subtle yeah. that we were there. He yeah, says, the other two guards came back and saw me through the window. I had to leap for my life. But I got the book. Thank you. You're welcome. I don't know what we would have done if you hadn't have helped. Oh, probably died. That's fair. Probably. We might still, depending. Yes. But now, perhaps we can decide what to do. Hmm. I'm going to shout back uh, to Pressy and Babon and just sort of, I've got something. Babon will come over and see. Pressy Pressy just says, what is it? He's not leaving Melody. All right. (laughs) I mean, I'll I'll show Babon. You just saw the head of her dead dad. (laughs) Yeah, I know. She's there now, and you're like, I found something shiny, and I'm just gonna be like, oh, okay, and just leave her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's fair. Whoa, cool, it's a new Xbox! <laughs> oh, man, N64, I've always wanted that! Man, I wish Pressy was here to play with us. Oh, well. It's alright, there's only two players anyway. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, what are you doing here? All right, so Bebon, you... Don't worry about it, brother. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. I'm here to help you save the world. And we are World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> um, no, it would be like the Scooby-Doo movie where the kiss was actually aliens. <laughs> oh, Lord, oh my gosh. Them. The Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> Simple plan. What are you doing down here? I'm going to make every one of you roll sanity. No. <laughs> All oh, right. Fallout Boy, what are you doing here? Oh, we're off the rails. It's all done now. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> so, Babon. Rosie's there. Get up, Fallout Boy. <laughs> Melody just weeps. Me too. <laughs> so. <laughs> I feel my sanity check. I don't know about you guys. Oh, man. It's all over from here. Okay. All so, right. I got the what, what is it? What, what is it? I think this is it. Our uh, girlfriend went back and uh, searched after we got out of there. Your 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 girlfriend? Mm-hmm. I we we haven't there. defined the relationship have, yet. Have we gotten that serious yet, my friend? <laughs> I mean, Perhaps. you've done more for me than most people have, so. I, I believe an arm and a leg first before that. Bonaparte looks at you like, and he looks slightly offended by that. What? <laughs> I did not mean anything bad about Bonaparte. I'll, I'll pet his little head. He's a good boy. That bone's just like, I'm right here. <laughs> yes, Katie, it is as off the rails as last night. You're right. Suddenly, love triangle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have this book in hand, Dupois, and Babon, as you come around the corner, you see the ghoul sitting cross-legged on the floor. He looks up. He gives you this grin. It's you think he's trying to be endearing, but it's very terrifying. He needs to work on this grin. So anytime Gollum smiles, <laughs> yeah. maybe even a little worse. Uh, and you see that Dupois is holding this small, like leather-bound, black brass-binding book in hand. I'm not um, touching the book. I have like the satchel underneath in between my hands and the book. That's I don't want to touch the fair. shit. Fabon's going to turn back and yell to Pressy. We have the book. I think so anyway. Wait, what? It was down here the whole time? Yeah, it was weird. It was just like in this little display case. We just opened it up and oh my God. the book. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. Seriously. We're... You have the book? Yeah. The ghouls got it. Hmm. We. He's looking back at the the handkerchief over the skull. He's actually debating what to do with Melody's father's remains. He takes his cloak and he puts it over top of it just to make sure, and um, um, goes to check out this book. He will. May I? She uh, just sort of looks at you. She doesn't. She just will go with you if you ask her to. Oh yeah, yeah, I would ask her. To. Yeah, she's she's not saying much. She seems still very like this is shaking her to see this. Hmm. It's this I mean, maybe because she knows her father was taken. She she knew what his fate was supposed to be, but this is the first time that she sees you know physical proof of his demise. Chrissy's yeah. a romantic, and romantic doesn't just mean, like, lovey-dovey stuff. It means, like, over-exaggeration on emotions and empathy. So he probably, like, even though he really did not like her dad, 
He's just thinking, what if that was me looking at her hand? You know, something like that. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, but he's got some stuff with occult, which is why I was wanting to look at it. Uh, yeah, I'll hand Pressy the book. Like, sort of, uh... Is it, like... Duquan's not sure if he wants to give Pressy the book, but he does it eventually. Like, in the book, like, freely open, or is it, like, clasped shut? It mm. it does have, like, the, the brass binding, it kind of comes around the front and it's closed. But okay. it looks like it's very easy to sort of unclip it and open it. There's not a locking mechanism to it. So. Okay. Would, um, would that be a cult for me to, like, examine this book? So, um, let's Or is that see. actually Cthulhu Mythos skill or whatever? Um, mm. it would be a Cthulhu Mythos. Well, that's okay. if... Well, first of all, it would be, um, do you speak Latin? Speak Latin, yeah. Oh my god, if he does, I'm gonna laugh. That's a good point. You did study in the church. Oh my god, if I do. Th- that, that means there's a chance. Where would I? Where would that be? It's under language, language. like the language yeah. skill. Is, is, oh, um, no, no, no. Right. I think we found out that only Cesar and Melody, Melody. know Latin. No, which is why oh. this is why I said Cesar away because I'm like <laughs> somebody else here could speak Latin. Whatever, you bastard. <laughs> Look, I mean, what no, has she got for us so far? She's got to start contributing to the group. Just pull her fucking weight. <laughs> Ooh. Let's see. Fuck <laughs> it, he's standing so low anyway. He'd be like, can you read this, darling? Yeah, so... I mean, don't tell her what it is until she starts to read it. <laughs> Just tell her it might be able to help, you know. Because yeah. it might. Yeah, yeah, he would. Scott hates it, but Pressy probably would say that. She uh she sort of looks at it in your hand and uh the ghoul says, Are you sure you want to do that down here? And he looks around at all the skulls all around you all. Um no. no. <laughs> okay. Yes. Where should we do it? I I mean, I know a house underground. I'll make sure they don't try to eat you. Or wherever you think is good. I mean... Percy just looks at the group. I mean, the house may not be a bad idea. That way we're at least close to the the films again. I doubt would be able to find us down there. He seemed to not like the ghoul. So if we're surrounded by a whole posse of them... Point. A whole posse of ghouls. Ghouls attack. I choose you, cool. <laughs> ghoul. Ghoul. Cool. We just throw a conch shell. <laughs> he says, "I can take you if you want me to." I oh, didn't have to go through like the river to get there mm. last time. Yeah, you had to go through like this underground, like. Not really a river, but like deep water. Sewage. And like there were some tunnels, not even sewage. It was just there were tunnels okay. that had over time filled up almost mm-hmm. to the top with water just from mm-hmm. runoff and things like that. It's one of the few places he wouldn't suspect us. That's mm-hmm. true. They're probably not searching for us underground. No, 
at an old ruined Roman villa or whatever? No, yeah. probably not. Technically, the only one that they know is still alive is me. That's true. That is true. Uh, the ghoul gets up and he bounds in the direction of where that other tunnel was, where he took you before. He stops at the corner of the tunnel and looks back at you. He does that smile again. Uh, I imagine it like catches in the lantern light and you just see it. <laughs> okay. It's very terrifying. You think to yourselves, perhaps it was good you met him as a friend and not under other circumstances. When the light hits him, it's like a jack-o'-lantern. When it's lit up, it's all just like... Eh. I like to think it's the visual equivalent of hearing like uh, the highest string on a violin that's not tuned. Oh, <laughs> I don't oh, know I, why I went to that, but I went to well, that. I mean, it's good imagery. That. That's good. Very good. Right. I, oh, no, I'm thinking of... um, What were those um, children books that everybody's like, oh, these are really good scary pictures. Oh, Tales in the Dark. Uh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, scary Tales stories to tell in the dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I just imagine like just him in that kind yeah. of art style, smiling. Same. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Dupont will follow him. Yeah, Dupont's gonna follow him. All right, <laughs> he leads you to the tunnel. He uh, goes through. He sort of uh, digs out the loose stone that sort of fell in from when your last went down it. Uh, you can actually see this spot on the on the floor, and and Dupont, you realize like that that was your blood. This sort of dried spot where you got shot as you went through the hole. The rocks were the only thing that fell, if you know what I'm saying. Hi <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you fell. We got I, yes, I'm aware. <laughs> and uh, the ghoul... I have the bumps. He leaps in and he goes... And disappears down into the uh, the dirt tunnel. Babon's just going in. He At this point, he just doesn't care about anything. He's just like... This might as well happen. You know, honestly, Dupois does too. So he he probably won't go down head first because he's worried he's going to fucking bust his skull open. But, you know, he'll go like legs, like one leg in. Awkward fat man. You get, <laughs> you get a little like stuck and you have to yeah. sort of like shake. And then <laughs> you... Like Winnie the Pooh with his little legs sticking out of the hole. Yes. Indeed. Um, eventually you do all manage to get down to the bottom of the hole and the ghoul will lead you through these tunnels again um it's not as terrifying as last time you're able to take your time a little bit more you're not carrying a half unconscious dupois we're not getting shot at and uh melody is letting pressy kind of guide her through here she's quietly following along she's not complaining about the dirt and the muck and things like that and you do eventually make your way into that larger opening and you see that villa Sitting across the way, just at the edge of the lantern light. He bounds across the way and through the front door again. You say, I'm going to let him go first. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> I don't think we should get too far away from him, though. So, do yeah, well, probably wait like a couple of like, Yeah. I think on our way there, uh, Prancy would have filled her in on what we're going to and what to expect, and mm-hmm. to stay as close to our new friend as possible. She just nods. Her eyes still wide. She seems like she's still coming down from this level of shock that hit her. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Mm. <laughs> I bet. Okay, so, yeah. Now off we go. So you guys make your way inside. 
And you you see on the left as you go in that big dining room. And at this hour, you see a lot of the ghouls are sort of like laying down. It looks like they ate their fill overnight. They're kind of resting. A couple of them, their heads turn up as you enter. You see them sniff the air. And you, your friend sort of stops in the doorway and is like, no, they're with me. And then he guides you uh, kind of off to the right into like a sitting room out of sight of the dining room. Mm. He goes into a corner and you see him dig around a little bit and he comes out with a bone and he just starts gnawing on it. Bonaparte runs up to him uh. and starts kind of <laughs> pawing at him for, so you see him, he breaks the bone and he Aww. hands Bonaparte part of the bone and he continues to gnaw on the part that he has. Is Bonaparte going to turn into a little ghoul dog now? I'll be adorable. <laughs> <laughs> but there are like um that's not comfortable seating, but there are like places where you could find to sit down at this point. Okay. Alright, well let's see what this book of fun has in store. Hmm. Book of nightmares. Alright. That's when Melody betrays everybody, goes insane and kills everyone, becomes so yep. Wait a second, you're not Melody, we pull off a mask. Citizen, we're gone! <laughs> <laughs> and I would have gotten away with it too. If it wasn't for that meddling bone apart. <laughs> well, we do have a dog, oh my god. <laughs> we're one person shirt short of the gang. If it wasn't for that meddling ghoul and you pesky kids. <laughs> so it's probably, uh, at this point, it's probably about 11 or so in the morning when you guys get down to here. Um... There's a, like a, a stone surface where you can put the lantern down and you can set the book. And Melody kind of sits down. She wipes her hands on the cloak that she has on. And she looks at you all for what to do. Oh, open the book. Where? Are, what are you guys doing when she's going to open I don't know it? how you're going to read it if you do not open are there, it. Are there any runes on the front? No, it is this sort of um, just dark black cover there is kind of this you can see in the lantern light it's almost the same color as the cover itself but there looks like there's this like dark maroon sort of pattern on the front and then there is a title in latin maybe we should search what, what is the title is what is the title <clears throat> she let's see how she does on her latin check for you oh lord oh, oh no oh, oh, i thought that's gonna be a sanity check Let's see how she doesn't understand any check. Oh man, this girl oh. knows her Latin. She's off to. So she Rich looks. Girls. She she looks at the title and she says, "The Supreme Void." Oh, at least it's not to serve man. Okay. She <laughs> takes the the brass clip and she kind of pops it open, and she turns the book cover over and flips to the main page and kind of flips to the first page of the book. <clears throat> are you guys all looking over her shoulder, or are you... Probably. Pressy is. Honestly. Idiot. Yeah. Babo um, doesn't quite trust touching it, so I think he's going to be using, like, his middle finger wooden hand to kind of turn the pages when he did. <laughs> like, over her shoulder? Yeah, okay. like, just... Because okay. like, I don't want to keep touching this, because we don't know what it can do. If it looks like it's, like, made of, like, skin and stuff, and it's all gross, Pressy will actually turn the pages for her. All right, so she uh, flips to the first page, and you can see that it's illustrated. Oh, goody. It comes with illustrations. Uh, Something the, we can all understand. I yes, love picture yeah. the, uh, the, it. The first page opens, and it is a sight of horrible human sacrifice under a beautiful starry sky. 
Hmm. Uh, is this... it like a pop-up book where there's gonna be a little guillotine that <laughs> could just chop somebody's head off? <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, as you're looking at it in the lantern light, the, you see that the skies are drawn in a pattern. And it almost seems as if they swirl and pivot in motion as you're looking at them. Oh. (laughs) There's me. There's drawing. uh, It's very uncomfortable to behold this drawing. The ink itself seems to turn and crawl on the page as you're looking at it. Mm -hmm. Um, And without even like thinking, you see Melody just reach out, touch and turn to the next page. And it's more of the same, like more swirling images. And then there are some words and she seems to be sort of reading it to herself. Um, and as you all are looking at these swirling images, everyone takes a point of sanity loss from this sort of otherworldly That's swirling fair. pattern. This reminds me of a tomb that had nine gods in it. <laughs> you realize that. This is, it's not a, a, ver, a really huge to- tome, but it's going to take some time for her to sort of go through it. So you guys actually spend most of the rest of the day with her sort of flipping the pages and reading certain passages and things like that. She reads some of it out loud to you, and it doesn't really all make sense. And you sort of have to sort of kind of talk over certain par- paragraphs and passages and things like that. You do, um, you do find out that it, it looks like it was written by a Spanish monk. Uh, there's a lot of references to the New World. And uh, <laughs> there, then it switches over. Someone else took over because apparently the original author was excommunicated and burned at the stake at some point. What, was it by the Spanish Inquisition? Did he not see it coming? Um, you're not sure. They don't really get too far into it. Um, but, like, you guys do spend, like... Maybe you break for something to eat, you come back to it. You actually have to sort of pull Melody away from reading it at one point. She seems so intense into the material of reading the book. Um, But after 10 to 12 hours of talking over passages and going back and forth through it, you do find one section that seems to sort of reflect some of what you're you're dealing with and it it rings sort of familiar and this Mm. is what she reads to you it says we no longer do the lord's work the excesses of the inquisition are a bloody continuation of satan's own scheme to devote souls to the blackest of hells an infernal expanse so benighted that it lies behind the stars and eclipses heaven itself this nightless realm is the domain of the fallen angel as Azototal, a being of supreme evil worshipped with blood sacrifices by the Aztecs. Should 10,000 souls be sacrificed to this terrible devil beyond the stars in the space of one year, cut open with a blade inscribed with a foul circular design, then Azototal's hell of unending night shall open on earth. Heaven will be lost to us forever. And then she continues... Only music beyond even that of angels could exercise the greatest and supreme of all demons, greater even than Lucifer himself. If a martyr who has heard such music from beyond would offer himself up for sacrifice, even as did the sun upon the cross, only then was as a total be undone and the fields of the earth denied to him in his shame and unworthiness. Oh, 
Huh. Ancients has 70 and sing. Everybody make a sanity check. Okay. I mean, that's fair. That's valid. Oh, no. Jeez Louise. Oh, no. Wow. No <laughs> 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 oh, biggie. Dupois like, this is just a Tuesday. Dupois made more, maybe more like, what? <laughs> I don't know these words. What is an Aztec? <laughs> what is an Azawata? Repeat that for me. Don't know how to read that. Beyond the heaven, that doesn't make sense. Not remotely. Heaven is the end in the beginning. As well. So, Melody. Ooh. Oh, Lord. Oh, she made hers. All right. So those that fail. Hmm? Yeah. So, um, Pressy and Melody, you do take, uh, well, Pressy, you take one sanity loss. She did make hers. She will take. The other two of you. Mm-hmm. We'll take. It's a six. I'm Eleven. Eleven. Wait, <laughs> wait, I failed mine. Oh wait, I'm sorry. So Dupois took one. Pressy oh, and okay. uh, sorry, press. I was wondering about that. I'm like, wait. And I Bevon. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong one. You take. Uh, so it's eleven. Both of you guys, do me a favor. Roll me an intelligence roll. Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh my god, wow. Uh Alright. Um so Babon, this like you're shaken by this and disturbed, but you're not too bad. Um <laughs> like uh-huh. you just maybe stand sort of like lost in your own thoughts about this for a little while. Um mm-hmm. Pressy you sort of wander off to the corner like staring into the room across the way where all these things are feasting and you sort you're just kind of shaken very much by this let's see okay to the point Wait, I, I be me and not pressy because i'm the one who failed uh no, no fa- I... failing is good in the sense oh oh, oh. You, didn't, you didn't understand why that was crazy oh yeah, I did. I didn't extremely get it. so Yes. Okay. Um, and I actually have to re-roll that because it's supposed to be this. Yes. Okay. Good. So being a dumbass paid off. Mm-hmm. Um. So Pressy wanders off, and uh, you are, you you kind of do. You sort of get this, like in your head. You're kind of going over it. Dupois, you were just kind of like, whatever. But yeah. Pressy, <laughs> you were trained in the church, and you know. The whole, you know, story of the sacrifice and in depth. This is something that you studied, and you you realize that th- this this is calling for someone to to give up their life to stop this. This is a and everything kind of goes quiet for you for a little bit. Like you literally can't hear anything else in the room. Everything else is gone. But maybe like two or three minutes go by, and then the sounds come back. You hear the snoring of the ghouls. You hear uh, Melody's kind of weeping again, and whatever Dupois and Babon do in these couple of minutes on their own, maybe they're moving about, and you hear the crunching of the ghoul chewing on the bone as you come back to yourself. 
Okay, so your rules for sanity. When um, you said when we get to a certain point, what how what is this certain point? Was how that much? from the sanity we started at the beginning of the campaign, or is that from today? Uh, to today, like in one day, if you lose like half your sanity, something big can happen. Half. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not there yet. Okay. Cool. Close. I just wanted to be sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're doing fine. Percy okay. probably does have a nervous tick, though. Probably just, you know, like... Hmm. For all I know. So, Maybe, um, what do you do after that? That... It I didn't that. understand it, so... It described a dagger or knife or something. Does that ring any sort of bells? Because I think didn't it say wasn't he using something to carve the skulls or he was. It talked about a uh, it said that in one year's time a, a ten thousand souls had to be sacrificed, cut open with a blade inscribed with the fouled circular design. Oh the guillotine. The guillotine. Yeah. That he needed to use that dagger to carve into the heads. Into the, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the yeah. skulls later, but the guillotine... Because someone I, said the guillotines had stuff in them. Now. I do wonder if the skulls are something entirely different, like a spell that's in this book. Would They might not be related to the guillotine stuff at all. Would Pressy, with that realization, have any remote idea of how or what this song is? Mm. Yeah, that's what I was... All, um, I will let Pressy, well, I'll let you all roll an intelligence check, but I'm going to give Pressy an, a bonus die for this. Makes sense. Because Actually, of, hmm? I'm going to use Ramrod's critical. Oh, are you? Look at you. I like it. I mean, I'm still going to roll just to see if I get it. <laughs> Same. Hey! Hey! <laughs> <laughs> um so Pressy, you you remember and the other two of you remember um Yugel and Pressy telling you about this specifically. Mm. Um and Babon, you you sort of probably remember this a little bit too because you were inside during that that the two parties. Mm -hmm. Um there was the dwarf a guest, yes, who was asked the song wasn't ready yet it was not and he did not want to play it for count fenelik interesting <laughs> we gotta go find the little dwarf and kill him as a sacrifice <laughs> or the violin player or was you remember Both. he was the violin oh, player yeah. he was okay. accompanied oh. by a female that was with him who they were trying to escape out a back window from the second party and you guys stopped them and led them out and they were as far as you know everyone who was at the party was taken in and mm. they were taken under arrest and questioned you haven't seen them since we only got four days to find somebody in, in old France Paris. You know? yeah. yeah hell probably on the other side of the world if I was them who yeah, knows? It's fine. I can leave too, yeah. We got this. Uh, okay. 
Well, that gives us a lead, at least. I mean, we we kind of were responsible for putting them in jail. We may be able to find easier where they might be. Hmm. If they're still alive, even. Hmm. Also, yeah. when, when Dupois, when you mentioned magic, um, yeah. Melody can point out in part of the text there do there are what appear to be incantations. Um, she tells you that one talks about a black star made manifest. One is something about conversing with the outside. Something about black binding. A dark fire. Something about inscribing sacrificial mandala. And another about a ritual of sacrifice. Oh. Definitely, um, definitely probably want to read upon the ritual sacrifice one, yeah? Maybe the king with the outside. Well, the ritual sacrifice would be needed to stop this. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. Okay. And maybe the Mandala one, because that might be what he's using on the skulls, possibly. But... Uh, Percy says to everybody, hmm. maybe we should also be trying to find our musician. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But, uh... At the same time. Okay. Meaning, we'd have to split up. <sighs> maybe. Hmm. Unless, unless Melody could read this while we're on the move. <laughs> that may be hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, you think that it would take some time studying this? Like, she tells you, she says, I have not, I, I, I would have to read it more. She goes, but, and she does point out the ritual of sacrifice one. She points to the text where it says it. And um, when she does, you see the handwriting is different from the rest of the book. There was the original handwriting, the handwriting of the person who took it over after the first person was burned at the stake. Um, and this is toward the end of the book in kind of an open space. Someone else added this in. Interesting. Is it in Latin still? Yes. Okay. Do we have, huh. any, do we have anything from our um, Benelic to use as Comparison of handwriting. Handwriting comparison. <laughs> um, we did grab a bunch of his scrolls and stuff, if I recall. You did take a bunch of scrolls that mm-hmm. had been in his home. Right? Oh, were, I have the ledger book. They were in Arabic. You do have the ledger. Yeah, yeah. You took the ledger from the house. Yeah, and Cesar gave it back to me. So I'll open it, try and see if we can see if it's even close to... Alright, so you, you put the ledger uh, up against this other book, and... It is that handwriting. It is the handwriting in the ledger. Interesting. Hmm. And you know that Regalt sat at that desk at night and filled in that ledger. Okay. Not the only thing he filled in at night at that desk, apparently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I mean, that maybe... sounded oddly sexual. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, wow. Okay. <laughs> it, it took a little bit of a sexual turd. A sexual turd? <laughs> turd. Turd. I mean, if you're into that, huh? Turd, no. No. 
What's my sanity again? Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that all just takes the ghoul's bone and starts chewing on it. Himself, just like, I'm getting out of here. Uh, maybe Melody should translate yeah. that section now. Mm. Well, well, he but is. if he wrote that, is that for his means then? Why would he write something that would stop it? Well, I mean, we could know what his means are to see if we can know what his next move is. We already know what his next move is. He's going to chop well, off. I mean, that. like, we can find out more information. Uh. So, um, it's now, you guys have been in, in this little underground. It's late at night now again. It's uh, probably almost 11 o'clock in the evening. She says, I mean, it- do you want me to try and determine what this means? I think so. Maybe after some rest. It's been a long I, day. I don't know that uh, going up top during the night would be a good idea. If there are crowds and stuff, we can disappear. Might make it easier to ask around about our uh, little friend. See if anyone's seen him. Heard anything. I mean, and you do know there is, you know... Things are tough because of the revolution and things like that, but there is a nightlife in Paris. There is, you know, the theater district and things like that and things. So there are people out and about later on in the evenings. Oh, boy. Uh, I just don't feel comfortable taking this book out. out, Yeah. Out. (laughs) We don't have to take the book. We could go out on our own. Like, not even all of us. Like, Pressy, you could stay here with Melody if you'd like, but... The ghoul's like, I can watch the book for you if you need me. I mean... I mean... You've been our friend for this. I don't think you have to fight... They'd have to fight through an army of ghouls to get to it. I mean... It's true. He can probably protect Melody if something were to happen. Hmm... All right. I'm not leaving her be. I'm not leaving her down here. Okay. Mm. <laughs> are you crazy? Are you crazy? Yeah, she's sitting behind. Uh, a bit. She's yeah. sitting behind Pressy when you say he could protect her, and she looks from Pressy to Babon, the Pressy to Babon, like at the back of Pressy's head. And I think I can protect her. Thank you. I didn't. I didn't mean to say you can't. I'm just saying if you were to come with us. She says I will go too. It would be nice to get out of this foul-smelling tome for a while. Perhaps find somewhere to bathe. Maybe a fresh dress. Mine is somewhat worn and dirty now. We did travel through much. Mm. That sounds good. That, that sounds That's great. Okay. So, um, and you all do remember as you like sort of are thinking about it, you are able to kind of remember the names. You remember the man was called Dietrich Zahn. And you uh, do remember that his companion that he was with, her name was Celine Bassett. You did you did get their names through through uh, the uh, part of the investigation after they were taken in. Their names did come up here or there in conversations about what happened that night. Okay, and they were the only ones 
that like worked for Fenelik who didn't seem like they were charmed or something, right? They seemed um you you remember that they were they seemed absolutely uh terrified and miserable, but mm-hmm. that they knew that something was wrong with what was going on. The rest of his servants just sort of walked with blank stares and in fact when Fenelik went insane and collapsed into that heap screaming heap of like bent and broken body um his staff seemed to snap out of whatever this hypnosis or power was mm-hmm. and they couldn't even remember coming to work for him they were questioned heavily by the soldiers and by the police and they had no memory of even coming to work for him or how long they had been working for him what what, okay. what was the name of the singer again Celine. Uh, uh, Celine. Right? She wasn't a singer. She was like a companion. She seemed to be like a caretaker of the of the dwarf. Okay. Zahn. She she seemed to like care for him, care about him. She was watching out for him, protective. And they were the ones who dressed up as Marie Antoinette and King Louis, right? Um, they dressed. Uh, you saw Zahn dressed as the, as the Dauphine, the dead Dauphine. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. That's right. Because the King Louis guy was dead when we went downstairs, right? Yeah. Yeah, you saw he was somewhat gotcha. flayed and uh, left sort of... Uh, it looked like he, he did not have a good end. All right. Okay. So we're, we're heading up. To, okay. Okay. So you make your way through the back of the uh, residence, up that path into the back behind the sort of monastery building in that mm-hmm. garden area. You come up into your favorite meeting spot. <laughs> you can see the moon is out. It's a, it's a chilly, uh, wet night for early June, but it's, a, but it's, uh, the rain has kind of like gone to a, just a drizzle here now. Melody pulls the cloak closed around her and puts the hood up. She looks around at you all. <sighs> the fresh air. It's so nice. <laughs> mm. Much better than the dank tomb, yes. Very, very true. She puts mm. her arm in Pressy's. Of course. Okay. Alright, let's get the move on. Let's find these people. Where do we even start to look? Well, mm. I know that's good a restaurant over it. At... Oh my mm. god. Hey, the world's about to end. Cheers, drink up. <laughs> he, he references one of the many restaurants that him and Melody went on to in their little... Oh, Lord. Yeah. Uh, so well, you went to a... One in particular, you went to a Lexus Roos Tavern. Hmm. It's a, not a bad establishment. Pretty nice. Obviously get cleaned up and stuff before we go there. <laughs> yeah. Just make sure we don't smell like nasty yeah. shit. <laughs> you guys can all also roll me if you want intelligence checks. Sure. All right. Yeah. So I'm on. Man, wow. I'm a today. So Pressy. Pressy just knows Latin now. <laughs> think that we don't even need melody. <laughs> Thinking back on um, the investigation and. You weren't completely involved in the afterward, like you guys were kind of given a reprieve after what you went through. 
But Pressy, you remember um, that it sounded like Zahn kept company with a lot of the aristocrats and their servants, and he was big to do amongst musicians and other theater folk. Like, he actually had a really uh, kind of famous reputation amongst the artsy crowd. So you think that if anything, maybe if he's not in jail still, because you're not sure, you never heard whether or not they released him, uh, maybe you'd find out information among them. And Dupois, hmm. you heard from some of your drinking buddies amongst the men. <laughs> um, it sounded like this Celine woman was uh, a former courtesan and that perhaps she had been known to work the streets at night before taking up in the Count's employ or captivity. So you think that maybe if she is out of jail and not still behind bars, she may have gone back to that kind of work to make ends meet or to just disappear back into the city? Okay. Babon, you have no freaking clue. (laughs) <laughs> you you were well, so busy dealing with like finishing paying for the schooling for Cesar and just mm-hmm. yeah you just completely after the you, you weren't even involved in discussions of it no yeah. so well that leaves this... on the choice you can either mm-hmm. go with the snooty musicians or go to the red district you know mm-hmm. I was going to say Pressy probably has a better uh, behavior for talking with like noble looking people than than Dupois does. Well, so. you do know that a lot of the nobles are oh, mostly yeah. gone. It's now the theater mm-hmm. district yeah, is yeah. more open to the public. Mm-hmm. So you you all could just sort of okay. go and blend amongst the crowds. Okay, y'all artsy fartsy. Yeah, get yourself a really colorful scarf. Be like, yeah, yeah. Get your art. My own. Beret. I mean, you all do think too. I mean, you could inquire whether or not they're still in jail. The one mm. problematic thing about that is you would have to deal with the police. Yeah, not so sure about. That. I mean, do we want to cover more ground and split up, or all go as a group to each place? We don't have the time to not split up. I think. Yeah, we have to take that risk. I feel like Pressy so, and Melody would blend in better at the theater. So me and Daphne are going to go right. Risk <laughs> Inc. can go to left. Yeah, classic Scooby. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Wait, does this? So <laughs> you're Freddy Bel- Daphne. You're Velma. Velma. That's like that's like. Dubois owes the dogs and he's shaggy, so I'm Belma. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. Hmm. And the ghoul is scrappy. Uh, yeah. No, we like, yeah. We like something like there. that. We <laughs> like the ghoul. <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking about scrappy from the movie. I'm talking about scrappy dude from the cartoons, like the old school cartoons. Not much not better. Much <laughs> I don't know. In the movie, I think he did a little bit more. Yeah. Just yeah. to help in the plot in one way or another. So, anyway, so yeah, Belmont Shag, you'll go to the red light district. All right, likes <laughs> likes man. We do like the running in place and then Zuba. Zuba loses it. 
Babal loses a hand. My hand. I can't do anything without my hand. You guys do the run animation to zoom off, and the camera immediately goes over, and it's just like a it's just like a, um, a gentleman club. Like you guys just ran right into a gentleman club as fast as possible. And we start looking through all the doors, but keep entering and popping out <laughs> the different ones. Uh, okay. All right. So who? who <laughs> this wants... is a coping mechanism, Jeanette. It's a coping. Yeah, mechanism. that's coping. cool. Oh my lord. All right, so who which group wants to go first? The Epito district or the uh <clears throat> I'd like to I'll, I'll go I'll go first. All right, not? great. Okay. For the Boulot Rouge. Mm. <laughs> um so as Plessy and Melody depart from Dupois and Babon, they head off toward the theater district uh heading for the tavern where they did have something to eat and as you're walking um melody says you know pressy i think i did recognize one of the waitstaff at the alexis rue he has grown his beard and his hair is longer but i think many years ago he was in the service of my father for a short time and Uh He may be able to help point us in the right direction, if not, maybe to some other Aristos in hiding who would know what happened to Zahn after the party. That's a great idea. I'd be nothing without you. And he boops her in the nose. She kisses you on the cheek and strolls with you toward this tavern, which sits now. You see uh, the lights on inside. There's some, you know, street lights lit. The candles are burning in the street lights. And um, you see, like, different theater goers sort of leaving a couple showings, going into the taverns. And you guide her into this Alexis Rue Tavern. It's a small tavern, but it's well kept for the time. And there's a small crowd of theater goers inside. A waiter comes up to you and shows you to a table amongst the crowd and sits you down. And you're offered menus and asked what you would like to drink. This is where I kind of wish I was a wine, a snooty wine person, because then I could just be like, "Well, actually, I would like the." But he probably just, he probably gets something just probably likes a dry red, maybe. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Um, after a little bit, Melody, uh, you sort of make small talk, and she's kind of glancing about the room, and she points toward the front. By the bar area, and there is this tall man dressed in the head waiter's uniform, and she says, "If I am right, that man is named Gaston, and he once worked with my father. He also worked for Fenelik toward the end." Mm. Oh, does no one? Wait, wait, like Gaston? No one, no one waits like Gaston. <laughs> you hear, you hear the first bars of B. Oh, yes. No. <laughs> oh, I was, I was thinking Beauty and the Beast. I know. Be our guest. Come on, Scott. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not, I'm not just getting to the Disney. Mm-hmm. I suck. Anyway, so. He probably, after that, has to go buy the best wine that they possibly have in this entire place. And then um, 
goes to approach this guy. Um, so do you leave Melody waiting for you at the table when you do this? As you go to purchase a bottle? Only if she's fine with that. She seems okay with it. She, As long as you're within sight, she seems like she's alright with you. In this crowded room, she seems a little more comfortable. She's not too worried. Okay. So you move up to this man. He sees you coming and he says, Ah, monsieur, may I help you? Yes. What can I do I for think, you? I think you could help me a lot. But, um, not for a drink or a meal. I was oh. wondering if I could get some information on a, uh, a certain person. Um... And who might that be, sir? A Latric son? Uh, um, I don't, I'm, the name does not ring a bell, sir. Does it not, as I slip him some money? He looks down at his palm where you slip him some money, and you can make either a persuade or a charm. Whatever is better. I'm actually curious which one's better for him. No, for you. What's... what's... No, no, I, I mean pressing. Oh, I don't pressing. know. It is definitely charm. <laughs> Yay! So you uh, sort of hand him this money and he takes and he says, Thank you for a tip for my good service, sir. And he says, Can I, do an can I get you anything else from the bar? From the kitchen. Mm. You see him look over his shoulder to a burly man uh, who is well-dressed, kind of at the far end of the bar. And then he looks back at you and he's smiling broadly, waiting for you to tell him what else you'd like. Hmm. Well, I think that's all for now. Very good, sir. If there's anything else you need, do not hesitate to inquire. Mm-hmm. As I look back over at that guy in the corner. He does not look toward him when you do. He sort of goes back toward the kitchen, sticks his head in, and yells at the chefs for something that someone is waiting on. We've been spotted! Run! Um, and then he, he moves and he kind of starts moving amongst the crowd on the other side away from you. Uh, as he's doing this and he's sort of milling through the crowd, uh, do me a favor and uh, you can roll me a spot hidden check. You notice nothing. I mean, I rolled 69. I'm fine with that. I mean, do you have any luck left? No. <laughs> you poor things. I think I'm the only one who has any luck left. I know. Um, so yeah, so you go back and sit down next to Melody. And... She drinks from her wine. She samples. There's some, some cheese and crackers on the table. She has a little bit to eat. And she says, how did it go? Terrible. Do you think... He's... Go ahead, Pressy. He's quite rude. Oh. Should I try to talk to him, maybe? I mean, we got nothing to lose. All right. And uh, you see her, she puts up her hand to get his attention. And he sort of uh, seems to turn his back as she does it and kind of go to another table. 
and starts sort of talking amongst them and then moves to a table further away from you, putting some distance between you both and him. That's about right. I'm... Maybe we could talk to him not in this environment. Oh, perhaps. It is It is somewhat rude for us to bother him while he's working, Percy. Maybe we mm-hmm. should wait until his shift is over. Yeah, maybe when uh, he doesn't have to worry about any prying eyes. True. Once again, look over at the corner. You see that man uh, sort of eyeballing the room. His eyes rest on you for a moment. His eyebrow sort of raises. And then he continues looking about. Um, can I do some kind of role of, like, is this guy just, like, the bouncer, or is he... You can, uh, yeah, you can give me, uh, like, an intelligence role, or even, like, a psychology role, if that's better for you, to try to sort of figure out what the dynamic is here. What is with my intelligence roles today? I love it. I don't understand. Um, so looking at him, and looking at how he sort of is overseeing the room... But he's not really doing anything like helping service-wise. Um, you see the different waiters that are working kind of give him wide berth and sort of when he's looking at them, they kind of sput- move about faster. Uh, you quickly realize that this looks like he is probably the owner of the establishment. Okay. All right. So meanwhile... Dupois and Babon, you split up from Pressy and Melody, and you head in to the busy streets of the Paris nightlife. Mm-hmm. Is uh, there anywhere I could get like a cane before we start going there? <laughs> Make me a luck roll. <laughs> oh gosh, no one actually has any luck. I know it's great. No. Oh no. So okay. Uh, so you look around, but um, you don't you don't see anywhere where you could acquire a cane um, for yourself, uh, like buying one. Mm-hmm. There, there are individuals that have canes milling about. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not taking their cane. No, don't, don't. <laughs> sir, I need this. It's for the end of the world. I need it. Wrong, wrong campaigns. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. So you are on the right bank of the Seine, uh, the Rive Droit. You kind of move along through this. And this is another area where it's sort of a theater and gallery district, but it's a little more mm, risque, to put it plainly. You make mm. your way along the uh, Rue Tervit. Uh You turn up another corner to the Rue Pute Mousse. Uh, translation. <laughs> um, the one is uh, kindly known as Polcock. And the other... <laughs> the other street as you turn up is Hordes, Whores Hide There. <laughs> I think we're going to try at Hordes Hide There. <laughs> that may be I mean, that may be where she's hiding. I don't know. You, you also <laughs> know that, that there's a possibility that uh, you might be able to locate information on Scratchbottom, the uh, Rue Gratcou, or, uh, and pardon my pronunciation because it's probably terrible, 
or even uh, Corruption Street or Give Joy, the Rue Petite Bouste and the Rue Bellevue. So, yeah, you guys kind of are wandering wow. about here. Um, you see various men and women frequenting the, uh, the areas here. And you see, of course, the collection of ladies and men who are sort of sidling up to passers-by and whispering sweet nothings and offers of a lovely evening or even an hour. 20 minutes if you're not that fancy and not that rich. <laughs> and uh, somewhere there's the chords of lovely ladies. Lovely ladies. <laughs> Oh my God. Can I buy somebody's hair? You, might, need, you, you in fact, hair. you in fact could find someone who may be selling locks of hair or even a full cut-off ponytail. Head of hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fucking weird. <laughs> um, what do you want to do? Start at <laughs> Give Joy, maybe. Okay. <laughs> All I right. mean, we have no idea where to start. Might as yeah, well just... I mean, we can just go street by street and, like, ask around. If um, we have to, grease a few palms, you know. Yeah. Okay, so you move about, and you move amongst these ladies and men of the evening. And I'm keeping my eye out for her, because I know what she... Because I dealt with her before, so you, I know what she looks like, so I'm kind of trying... You do, you do. Um, okay. So you guys can both, since you are, you are sort of doling out some money here and there to ask questions, and you actually get some offers, like Dupois, one one woman mm. who's a little bit older, she's like, would you like to spend the night with me? It would only be six sous, my dear. Oh, that's cheap. <laughs> uh, when she smiles, like she's, got a couple, inner, she's got a couple it? teeth missing. Hmm. Oh, thank you. She's like, don't worry, it's just a wooden leg. And she knocks on one leg. Oh, no. And it makes a hollow thunking sound. And oh. then she sees Bebon's hand and she says, or you, my dear. We are two of a kind. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks at his hand. <laughs> hmm. I brought the wrong attachment. Hold on. She's like, no, that one looks good to me. <laughs> well, I do have a stiff one for you. <laughs> um, so as you are greasing palms and being uh, propositioned and things like that and asking about, um, well, I want you both to roll me charm checks, but you can, oh, but oh, you can okay. have you can have an advantage dice because you are splashing some money about. That's not going to help. It might. Oh lord. Nope, it does not. <laughs> oh, oh! The charming Duplois! <laughs> As you move about and you are making your way along, give joy. I like to imagine it's not actually Duplois, it's the fact he has a dog with him. <laughs> like, oh, puppy! Well, one, one courtesan, a younger woman who seems, uh, maybe she'd be about the same age as Celine. Mm. Um, she is sort of petting the dog, and she says, "Oh, I, I do remember. Uh, she is. I have not seen her in quite some time." And then you hear from like in a corner in the shadow this cratchy old voice, like, "Oh, who are you looking for, darling? Oh, you are a handsome man, aren't you?" And this older woman, that looks at Dupont. She's talking about you. She's talking about you. This older woman 
comes out of the shadows and she is disfigured. You both realize quickly that she has had some encounter with some very bad disease, perhaps syphilis. (laughs) As she moves forward, she has a racket, a a little rickety cane that she sort of moves with out of the shadows. And she says, I think I know who you're talking about, darling. And she sort of moves closer to Dupois to get a better look at him. (laughs) Oh, you brought beverages, too. Don't worry, let old Varan take care of you tonight. (laughs) Oh, you're speechless. That's adorable. (laughs) Babona just slowly moving to be behind her. Well, what could you tell me, my dear? Oh, you know, I actually was a patron of the Darling Selene's at one time or another back in the day. Really? Mm, indeed, indeed. <laughs> I can tell. I know where you can find her. That would be most helpful. Do you Thank know you. what would be most helpful for me? Besides your company, you handsome devil, you. <laughs> Babon is just behind her, like... I have an idea. <laughs> she uh, reaches into her cloak. Oh. And she pulls something from inside her cloak. <laughs> it is a tall glass bottle that she tips over and nothing pours out of it and she looks at it and she throws it down and smashes it and says I am out of wine so some sue to replace it would be much appreciated I I'll give her (laughs) enough money for some wine and I'll, I'll also give her my canteen of wine must be like, there you go. Oh, and a gentleman to boot, I could keep you. But. Fuck <laughs> 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 you guys! <laughs> <laughs> but no! You have done me a great service for this! And she takes a huge swig off your canteen. <laughs> oh, it's so good! Yes, I will tell you where you can find Only the best. Celine. And she tells you that Celine is living with a, hmm. a little man. Oh, and that, a little man? Okay. And that they are raising their small child. Ooh. So we're definitely killing him. <laughs> okay. She tells you that you can find them. On the Rue Fadu. What does that mean? It is a street <laughs> name. It is a street name. Okay. Um, she, it is in the second arrondissement of Paris, near the Theatre Fadu. Okay. It is one of the oldest streets in Paris, near the Stock Exchange, in the heart of the theatre district. So there is a lot of neoclassical buildings in that area. Very dark and filthy, though. She tells you that Celine and her husband and little boy occupy 
the attic on the third story of the tenement building. Okay. But it's very late for you to visit them tonight. We should find a warm bed for the evening. It is dark and cold. Mm. That's okay. Thank you for the uh, information. Oh, all right. But I'll give her another coin. Uh Where do you live, my dear? I make house calls. I mean, I'll tell her where I live, I guess. I I mean, if she wants to stop by and get a drink or something. So that all the ghouls can come kill her? Because that's kind of where we live now. (laughs) (laughs) So go behind the monastery. There's this little building in the back garden. There's a hole. Go down the hole. Make a right at the bottom. My friends will take good care of you. All right. She's not the one going down the holes. (laughs) Hi, (laughs) oh. So you uh, are given this information. Meanwhile, back in the theater district at the tavern, the head waiter (laughs) is giving Pressy and Melody a wide berth. And when he does look in your direction, he is quick to look away and continue about his business as the uh, evening wears on and it gets close to closing time. What are you doing, Pressy, besides losing your shit? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm just going to close chat for now. Um, Oh, I haven't even seen this. Oh, no. (laughs) There's a reason why we're laughing at Stereo. (laughs) So, you was actually going to play and wait, like, stalk this guy and wait till the shift was over. Mm Mm-hmm. You gotta think you're like gonna murder him. So uh, you and Melody finish your food, you finish your wine, and the tavern is cl- beginning to close up. They do last call, and the groups of theater goers that had come in after their shows begin to exit to- and leave the building. <sighs> okay. Um,. Actually, wait. Shit. No, it's too late now. Everybody's leaving. I was about to say I could ask the other theater people. I mean, you can mingle with the crowd as they leave and ask some people questions if you so chose. Could I I do that? Sure. I'm I'm literally asking by name, this guy. The dwarf guy. Oh, you're asking? Okay, so you are asking by name. I describe him as best as I can. It's been a few years. I just remember he's a dwarf, and I'm sure there's not too many of those around. All right, so roll me a... Let's see. You can roll me um, a persuade. You could roll a charm. You can roll me... What else would be a possibility amongst the crowd? That is not me. There you are. Alright, let's see. 
you can try to uh, sort of fast talk some people and see if they know anything. What is Pressy? Pressy's generally charming. Yes, he is, but he's with Melody, so I don't know. Charming doesn't have to mean flirty. Okay. It doesn't have to be me. Yeah. I, I guess I'll do that then. Oh, wait. Where's it at? Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, They seem to not know who you're asking for. Someone does say, and he hiccups, and he's like, uh, the one that's always drinking in the taverns. I mean, all you have to do is look for the shortest man on the stool. You wander about. He's been around. Uh, thank, thanks, friend. Thanks, friend. As I like mm. try to steady him by like one patting his shoulder, two steadying him. He's probably stumbling. Everywhere. Merci, merci. Bon chance, my friend. And he sort of stumbles into the door frame and out the door. Okay. Of course, like I minimize chat, and it's still popping up everything. Thank you, Zoom. Anyway, so, you guys are fine. Keep going. The um, so he's actually probably thinking maybe we should just go from bar to bar. Okay, so you're gonna wander the street, sort of looking, because most of the bars are starting to empty. So if you kind of go into the street, you think maybe you can kind of look for him and find him out and about. Yeah, so it's a lot better than his first plan. Melody says, "So we're not waiting to see if we can talk to." Gaston, when he's done with work? Uh, no, I'm gonna leave him be. Oh, alright then. Alright, so you move into the street. And you are, all, both of you milling about. You can give me a spot hidden check to sort of look about and see if you can find this man. Okay. Alright, so you are moving about, sort of looking around... And you do, in fact, see, moving through the crowd, what looks like a shorter, child-sized person, kind of moving up the walk, heading out of the district, mingling with the crowd as they go. Um, excuse me. Excuse me, sir. He sort of looks over his shoulder. His eyes kind of open wide a little bit on seeing you. And he tries to move more quickly into the crowd to sort of put some distance and people between you and him. What, was it him? Um, you you get a quick look at him. You're not sure if it is or isn't him. It's been a handful of years now since you've seen him. The trick? Is it you? Old friend? He's going to try to find something. And it's going to fail horribly. Here we go. Yay. <coughs> I'm dying. Um, so, yeah, he seems like he's trying to outdistance you and sort of get away from you. What do you want to do, Pressy? Um, I guess... Christ, I guess we're going to follow. And by that, I guess it's give chase. All right, so... If he's, trying to, if he's trying to get ahead of us and past us. All right, what is your dexterity score? 70. 70. All right. So he tries to disappear into the crowd ahead of you. He sort of doubles up his pace and tries to put people between you. What do you do? 
as you see this and you realize he's trying to sort of maybe bolt away from you. If I can, try to go through a back alley and cut him off. Okay, so why don't you roll me... Let's see. You try to cut around an alley and cut him off. So how about you roll me... Um, do you want to give me like a stealth so maybe you can slip away so he doesn't know that you did it? Excellent. So you slip down a side street. Uh, Melody has her hand firmly in your grasp and is running along with you. Her hood up on her cloak. So he, you can't see him for a moment, but you know which way he was going. Uh, let's see. He is going to... What's your movement speed? Um, it's up there. Where is it? There it is, nine. Okay, so he is trying to lose himself in the crowd. So as you come out of the end of the alley, you can roll me a spot hidden to see if you can find him. All right, so uh, you look around and you don't see him at first. You're kind of looking left and right. And then uh, you hear someone say, excuse me. And you don't see him, but you realize that he must have just run into somebody as he was going by and cut them off because this man is stumbling. And you think he went, he's kind of trying to cut off to the left and run away from you. But you have closed some of the distance between you and him. What do you want to do? Um... I, I'll go in that direction, I guess. Okay. Um, so, you follow after him. You're actually catching up pretty quickly uh, when you actually get a glimpse of like him sort of turning and now like he looks like he's going to bolt. And you are within lunging range of sort of getting him if you can get your hands on him. I will, I will just say, I, I will shout, wait, and I guess I would try to grab him. Okay. Not, not hostily, just like a, like, hey, come on, man. Why are you running? All right, so do you want to just roll me uh, just a, a brawl check to just sort of, like, lunge and just kind of get your hands on him? Hey, man. <laughs> not punching him, per se. Not yet. Cool. Cool. Uh, Thank you, luck points. Hold on. So... Oh yeah, so he slips uh, he slips from your grasp. And um but you do kind of get your hands on a bag that he's carrying around his shoulders and it sort of rips and these small like clothing fall out. It looks like little kids clothes that are falling out of his bag. Like hey, baby that's clothes. My diaper bag. He sort of turns and looks at it and he's like <gasps> And when he turns around, you realize that he you don't think this is Zon. I, uh, I go to pick up the clothes, regardless. He sort of, to, go ahead. Like, when he goes to pick them up, it's not like a quick grab, like he's going to try to grab them and run after him still. But, like, he's trying to fold them back up and stuff. So he, he sort of took a few steps away to see to continue running. He looks sort of disheveled about losing the clothes. And then as he sees you stop and start folding them, he got maybe another 10 paces off and he sort of slowly comes to a stop and then takes a step back and he goes, those are mine. 
I know that. You dropped them. I, I, I think you have been mistaken for somebody else. Or maybe I've gotten you mistaken for somebody else. I'm guessing you're not Latrec? No, I am not. I am Richburg. Oh, I am I am so sorry. Here, I'm like he continues getting his clothes and stuff. I'm sorry for any stress I gave you, and he goes to give him like the equivalent of like a few bucks, like enough for a drink equivalent. Alright, so you hand off uh and he looks at the money and he's like, Ah, oh, easiest mark tonight. Thank you. And he puts it in his pouch. And as this is happening, uh, Babon and uh, Dupois, you're walking up the street and you see uh, Pressy knelt down. You can see the back of this small man and Melody is standing off to one side, kind of like two steps away from Pressy. There he is, shoot him! (laughs) (laughs) I have the cane that I stole off the old lady. Oh my god. (laughs) No. Yeah, she in one she had a, a, a money in one hand and the flask in the other, so she dropped the cane. And yeah, when she cane. looks around for it, for you. she's like, "Where's the cane? I had a cane." Oh I'm just strolling down the street. The money he gave her is probably worth more than that cane. <laughs> That's true. That's true. She'll just <laughs> steal one from another mark. Don't worry. I just have a fancy cane though. All right, so you you see, uh, Pressy is assisting this. Small man. Hmm. Are we near where the old lady said that Zahn lives? Hmm. Yeah, you're only a few blo- a few blocks away because Pressy went to the theater district. Okay. And Zahn lives somewhere near one of the theaters. All right. Uh, when he eventually gets this situation all done and sees you guys approaching, he's like. Oh, I chased a red herring all night. What'd you guys do? I got a cane. I got an address. I think I know where. Uh, why? Why did? Why did you get an address? Never mind. It's not the I first think, time. I. Dupois made a friend. Uh, oh. I think I found where a person is. If you want to go. Right now, we could. Or if you'd like to wait till morning. Um, Makes no difference. I'm assuming it's pretty late by now. I mean, but how many days we have left? We have like two. It is uh, now, since the bars have closed, it is now the early hours of June 5th. And you know that this event is going supposed to take place on June 8th at the festival. I mean, we could at least go stake out the building and see... Yeah, know where it is. That is good. All right, so you collect Pressy and Melody. The uh, small man uh, collects his clothes. He looks at the other two of you who come up, and he's like, "Bonjour." Bonjour. You see him putting like a little baby's outfit back into his bag. Okay. He finishes filling the bag. He says, thank you for the money, and thank you for your time, and I am leaving now. Babon's going to look at him and then look at Pressy, because we know that this guy has a small child, so it's kind of like a, hmm, he has baby clothes. That is interesting. I'm a little worried that the baby clothes aren't for a baby. 
Well, that's what I was thinking too. Like maybe this dude dresses up like a baby and like fits in a. He said this was the be- the the easiest yeah. um, mark. Mark. Yeah. He starts to walk away up the street, putting the last of the clothes into his pouch. Is he heading in like the direction we were heading? No, he's walking the other direction. Bye, strange man. (laughs) Uh, The Uh, last thing he shoves back into his bag is a red bonnet. And you can see in the bag that didn't something that didn't fall out. You see that there is like two or three folded pieces of paper inside. This is suspicious. Mm. Is I'm going to shoot him. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> no, no, I don't know why, but I didn't think you shooting with a gun. For some reason, I just thought you just like rocket punched. You know, just. <laughs> So go, he, go, he, he, has, he has turned his back on you all and is walking away. The bag slung over his shoulder. I mean, the universe gave us a lot of details in that bag, but Francie's mm-hmm. probably going to be like, and eh, whatever, and just go. Yeah, I mean, if we hurry think- towards where the building is, we may see him because he may be going just the long way. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think Dupois cares about this little man if he's not the guy we're looking for. Is like, he going to look it- like? He does, once uh, with a close look at him, he doesn't look like Zahn. Mostly just the fact that he's he shares a, like a similar he build, looks, but yeah, his yeah. his facial like features and things like that are not. You know, immediately getting a look at him, he's not Zahn. Okay. All right, so you watch him disappear into the shadows up the street, and he is gone from sight. Hmm. I feel like we just missed something. <laughs> That's when he puts on his secret police outfit. <laughs> his hat. <laughs> Got him. And he takes off his, his little person costume, and it's actually the head of the secret police. He grows like to six foot four inches yeah. tall. He's wearing a brand new fitted jacket. He likes right. a cigarette. No, Got he, him. he is actually a she, and it's like this really sexy lady in a big red dress. Like, mm. You're like, what? Okay. That's, a, that's a definite sanity loss right there. Yeah. Roll a D100. No, I was thinking, um, the Roger Rabbit kind of cartoon, yeah, I was thinking that too. cartoony stuff. Nice. Where you're like, okay, Maybe sure. Maybe he's actually like the oldest man. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was right. There was a... Baby Herman. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, so, so as yeah. you have We're, this... Let's go to the tenement building. ...quiet conversation yeah. amongst yourselves, making your way toward this tenement building. You walk up the Rue de Rucheleu, and you round the corner to your left onto the Rue Fadu. Uh, and you see, as you round the corner, like, looking up, there's this, oh, right here on the corner, this looks a lot like what they described. You sort of look along the, the one side as you're coming up, you notice that you pass a courtyard in the back. Um, there's, like, a little alleyway at the back of the building that leads between another building and it. Um, and then you kind of move past it, and around the corner, you can see there's an entrance right on the roof, Fadu, that goes inside. The door's currently closed. Um, there's a small sign in the front window on the first floor, and it's, uh, for a cabinet maker. Um, and that's on the left-hand side of the front door. On the right-hand side of the front door, you can see that there is a sign, and it says something about a tailor shop. So the first floor of the building looks like it houses a couple of businesses. Uh, looking at the second floor, you can see, um, the, the floor, it's, like, dark, there's not lights on inside, but it looks like a residence. 
And then mm. looking up to the third floor, you can just see the windows are small, but it does look like there's a candle burning in the third floor. But there's okay. not a lot of traffic or anything right now. Oh, it looks like they're away. Hmm. So, what what doors are there? There's the ones into the businesses on the bottom floor. Well, there's one main door that goes okay. into the okay. first floor. On the left and right of that main door, there it does look like there's a separate entrance for each of the businesses. Okay. I think I think Dupois just goes in through the main door. <laughs> okay. So you move you move to the front door and it isn't locked. You step through the front door and it opens on a hallway. About maybe 15 feet ahead of you, you can see there's a staircase that winds up. I'll I'll sort of get Bonaparte close to me, pet his head, and I I'll walk towards the stairs and start ascending. Okay, so you whether my friends are following me or not, I Babo um, will follow. He'll. I, there's no reason. Up. There's no reason not to follow. Mm-hmm. Um. So you move up to the second floor. The stairs come out on a landing, and there's sort of a hallway that kind of goes in like a Z, goes up, kind of turns to the right, and then keeps going. Um. You move through the second floor hallway. All right. So as you move through the hallway, you round the corner. You can see. <clears throat> There are doors. There is, you pass one, two, three, four different doors on this floor. So there's like four apartments on this floor. And then at the end of the hall, around the corner, you see there's another set of stairs, a little bit skinnier, a little more narrow and steep, that head up to the next level. Well, she said they live in the attic, so. On the third floor, so. Paul will sort of squeeze in the staircase as best he can and keep going. Okay. So you follow this staircase up, and it comes to a small door at the top, set in the wall. You can hear... If Oh, make me listen checks. Let's see what you can hear. Okay. Nothing. Um, I'll spend the luck. Oh. So that one of us can hear something. Wow. All right, so you spend ten luck? Yep. All right, um, so listening at the door, Babon, you don't hear anything at first, and then you lean in closer, and you hear um, a low voice. It sounds like a female. Um, she's not making real sense. She sounds like maybe she's almost, like, cooing at a you know, small child in gibberish. Mm-hmm. And then you do hear like a little like faint <laughs> cry of a little child. And you hear like running small feet. And then you hear a like, th- 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 like something, a bigger person followed after the small feet. Um, he's going to, Babylon will turn to the other two and like mouth to them that there's a woman and a small child in there. said that he had a wife and child, so. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know what we're <laughs> doing. I don't, I don't know. Should we knock on the door? Should we oh, knock? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, yeah, 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 yeah. I would say knocking, yes, no. Yeah, I think. I, I thought you were implying like knock and break and enter or something. Uh, yeah. No, no, like <laughs> knock on the door. Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Who is going to knock on the door? Because it, it, one, you're going to have to be I, in single file in the hallway, so. I was the one closest in mm -hmm. here, so I'll probably give it a, like a light knock, not like it. Yeah, with the one hand. your spare oh. hands. You hold one of your spare hands. All right. I use the, yeah, I just. Oh, knock, yeah, the like, top knock. of the cane. Yeah. All right. So you knock and um, you hear the small child, like it sounds like almost like an excited. <gasps> and you hear shh. And then footsteps coming toward the door. They get to the door. You see the handle turn. The door opens. And mm -hmm. standing inside, uh, there's a little bit of candlelight inside, but you can immediately recognize the face of Celine. Um, she is still as beautiful and striking as ever, but she's a little bit thinner. Her face is a little drawn, like you, there's been some stress over the years. You uh, see, clutched at her leg, sort of peeking around the side of her dress, is a very small child. And his head is tilted up looking at you, eyes wide, sort of a grin on his face. Behind her, you see a long attic room. You can see... Um, it's very sparse. To the left is a chimney. To the right, there looks like there's a double bed. And you see a small figure standing on the opposite side of the room from the door. His back is to the door. His head is tilted to one side. And his hands are up. One hand is up. The other is moving back and forth. But he doesn't hold anything in his hands. And, but you can just see the movement because you can't like see the front of him. You know immediately, though, that he is not holding any kind of instrument. He is just playing air guitar, basically. <laughs> um, the woman takes a look at you. And then her eyes sort of widen in recognition. Uh-oh. She shrieks. <gasps> stumbles backward. Grabbing up the child and, like, moving him out of the way, she reaches to, like, a table that's off to one side. Oh, she's gonna shoot me. <laughs> and she seizes a cudgel and holds it up. Whoa, whoa, hold, hold, hold. And hold. we're gonna come back to that next time. <laughs> I do it. <laughs> I mean, that's an understandable reaction. That's understandable. We did kind of arrest her five years ago. Quick, use that five-year-old grenade bomb. Thing. <laughs> Garlic bomb. Grab yeah. the child. Um. So yeah. So we'll. So she screams, grabs this cudgel from a nearby table, and uh, raises it to clock Babon upside the head. Apparently, and that's where the scene will fade to black this week. Okay. <laughs> I, I was about to suggest I got the face, so maybe I should have. <laughs> You're like two people behind on the stairs, Melody. Yeah, I'm the well, she would have recognized any of us. We all arrested her. I, I know, but Prissy has the charm <laughs> to not get that violence to happen. Um, Maybe. All right. If he rolls well. So. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Question. Did I get the old lady's name? She uh, said. Um, An old Varen. Varen. V-A-R-E-N-N-E. 
was okay. the name that she said. Gonna go back with her later. Her name's Hermelda, last name Hyde. <laughs> no, just in case that might help <laughs> us. Just next time. So, yeah, okay. I just wanted to know ahead of time. All right, so You're the only one that survives. Like she... <laughs> so, 2 a.m., June 5th, in an at- apartment tenement in the theater district, you have oh. you have startled and scared a familiar figure in Celine. And you see the figure of uh, Dietrich Zahn standing across the room. And we're going to come back to this next time and see... I'm just going to pull out my gun and headshot him. Oh my god. (laughs) We have to kill him. No, we don't. He has to be martyred. We're pretty sure he has to be martyred. One of us has to be martyred. Thank you for joining us for Uncanny Adventures podcast. Come back next time to continue our adventures.